Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation. Welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with the great Don Yeager today. Oh my goodness. You're going to learn about how Michael Jordan, how the legendary, the greatest coach of all time, John Wooden, and some of the lessons of greatness that the 11 time New York Times bestselling author, Don Yeager learned from being mentored by those two individuals and so many other household names that you know in athletics, in business, in politics, what he has learned from these individuals and how you can integrate that and how you can apply that to your real estate business, apply that to your leadership style, apply that to your network, your inner circle, the people that you're surrounding yourself with and how you can be great, how you can step into greatness. And I'm telling you, this episode today can be a game changer. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. Hello, I am your host, Tyler Chesser. I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. Let's be great today because today is all about greatness. I want to encourage you, um, if you have not done so, I'd love to get your feedback. Elevate Nation, please let me know. What are you loving about Elevate Podcasts? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? What guests would you like to see? What content would you love to hear? Or would you love to hear more of? So you can just send me an email at info at elevatepod.com. Again, that's info at elevatepod.com or send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter at elevatepod on Instagram at elevatepod on Twitter and um, send us a DM because we want to get your feedback. We want this to be something where Elevate Nation gets to give us direction on what do you want? What is it that you would love to see in this podcast? So we're going to continue to bring the heat. And I want this to be something where we can all share in some future growth and greatness together. So we want to know, we want your input. We want to know who do you want to hear from? What do you want to hear more of? What do you love? What do you not love? And uh, we're going to continue to make this amazing for you. Uh, also, if you have not done so already, uh, the fee for listening in today is just to subscribe, rate and review. Uh, give us a rating, give us a review. We certainly appreciate your feedback and it's very helpful if we want to be successful uh, long-term and continuing to bring on great people like Don Yeager and otherwise. Uh, we really, really um, appreciate your ratings, your reviews, of course, following, subscribing the podcast. Thank you. Uh, the fee for listening today is to pay it forward and share this with one person. Share this with one person that you have not shared it with already. If you're new to Elevate, thank you. Welcome we are here to dive in and let's dive in. I want to introduce you to Don Yeager, who is a nationally acclaimed inter inspirational speaker, longtime associate editor of Sports Illustrated, host of Corporate Competitor Podcast, and author of over 30 books, 11 of which have become New York Times bestsellers. Don has written books with, among others, Hall of Fame running back Walter Payton, UCLA basketball coach John Wooden. Of course, we're going to talk about some very, very insightful lessons that he learned directly from Coach Wooden. Baseball legends John Smoltz and Tug McGraw and football stars Work Done and Michael Orr featured in the movie The Blind Side. He teamed with Fox News anchor Brian Kilmeade to pin the 2013 bestseller George Washington's Secret Six, a look at the citizen spy ring that helped win the Revolutionary War, and then again in 2015 for Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates, the forgotten war that changed American history. And in 2017 for Andrew Jackson and the miracle of New Orleans, the battle that shaped America's destiny. Don left 
Sports Illustrated in 2008 to pursue a public speaking career that has allowed him to share stories, learn from the greatest winners of our generation with audiences as diverse as Fortune 10 companies to cancer survivor groups where he shares his personal story. More than a quarter million people have heard his talks on what what makes the great ones great. He collaborated with the Florida State University School of Business Continuing Education program to build a corporate webinar program focusing on lessons, building a culture of success within an organization. This naturally led to another keynote speech, which on, on what makes great teams great. And the release of his 10th New York Times bestseller, Teammate, was the inspiration for his newest keynote, Becoming a Team of Great Teammates. So you can learn more about Don at donyeager.com. That's D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R.com. Or contact Don at Don at donyeager.com. So without further ado, please enjoy this great, this truly great conversation with Don Yeager. Don Yeager, the great Don Yeager, sir. How are you? Tyler, thank you. So great. The uh, you look you look wonderful there. Uh, set up uh, with that nice clean clean backdrop there. Is that is that like real? Any more you have to ask? Like, is that <laughs> I know. a real backdrop, or is that something? <laughs> this that is you real, man. To, this uh, is real, I, and I tell you, I, I got to ask you the same because you've got the memorabilia behind you. I'm getting excited about greatness in our conversation today, but it looks like you've got an awesome set of collection behind you as well. Is that is that real? We did. Yeah. We kind of built it out for this, but we thought, but it's funny. I was doing one, doing a podcast the other day and one of the guests said, gosh, it looks like you robbed a fanatic store you know, <laughs> um, with all the jerseys and the, this and the, that. And so, but anyway, yeah, that's, those are all this things collected over the course of a very long lifetime. Yeah. And it's definitely not from a fanatic store because this is, this is the real deal. I mean, obviously I was talking to you before we started recording today, obviously you have an alliance with so many legends in the sports world, um, whether coaches or athletes and, and, and beyond far beyond that, but it's really exciting to see the collection there and, and to really be proud of that because it's not just about winning or losing, but it's about the process and it's about the development of people that I would imagine that you feel Feel such a reverence towards greatness on. Am I saying that correctly, Don? Absolutely. You know, we talk all the time that the greatness isn't really a destination. It's a journey. And if you're in the pursuit of it, um, just the mere act of constantly wanting to be better tomorrow than I was today, right? Just the, just the mere pursuit of this, of this ideal, um, allows us to achieve things that are just supernatural in their own way. And, um, and so that's the thing I've spent basically a lifetime trying to chronicle is how do, how, how do some really great winners do what they do and are there lessons that we can learn and apply? So I think that's how it fits so well with your, uh, with those who, who listen to your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all about high performance and really for a purpose, right? If you're going to design a real estate portfolio or design a business, design a network and all of these different things, ultimately to design a lifestyle, what else are we doing that for? And so I'm really excited to dive into greatness and what you've really uncovered you know, throughout the years with your alliance with so many amazing, incredible household name individuals in terms of legends like John Wooden or, or even Michael Jordan and so many others, you know, that I, I just, some of my heroes, and I'm sure many of the, the listeners heroes as well. But Don, before we dive into this, for folks who are not aware of you or may not know much about your background or your, your story, could you give us a little sense of sort of your upbringing and what life was like growing up and, and how you arrived to Don Yeager, who we know today? Oh, wow, that's a that that I'm I'm so old that that could this could eat up <laughs> your entire podcast. No, I uh, born and raised in Hawaii. Um, my father was a preacher, a Methodist preacher. Um, lived in grew grew up there till I was eleven. In what island? Up, I was born on the Big Island of he in, in with in the little town of Hilo on the Big Island, and then raised in a little town called Moanaloa on the main island of uh, of Oahu. But, uh, you know, moved around several places, ended up in for high school and college in Indiana, um, you know, Hawaii, Japan, Indiana. It's a natural <laughs> trajectory for most people. But the, the goal my father always taught me was to learn to be a better storyteller. He, you know, again, as a preacher, uh, that's what he kind of did every Sunday. 
But for us, it was, um, he believed that if you could learn to tell a good story, that you would always find a place. There was always something that, you know, someone would always engage you if you were willing to be uh, a good storyteller. So that has been my journey. And, the, and it took me from, you know, newspapers to magazine at Sports Illustrated for, for many years. And then now into the book world where I've been lucky enough to write 32 of them and um, have a, a, a few of them become New York Times bestsellers, which has done well. And so we're, we're, we're in that space where that's really our goal is to constantly every day look at how can we be better at telling stories? Well, you are an amazing storyteller. Uh, it's absolutely captivating. If any of the listeners want to go check out Don, you know, just go to YouTube and just listen to the stories. And there's so much to learn in terms of the communication that you've been able to hone over the years. So I'm just a, a big fan of the way that you you know, share ideas through stories. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. I want to dive into that in our conversation today. Before we get there, I would love to talk about greatness because it's something that that I've seen that you've become so fascinated with and so enthralled with in your life. And it's become almost a centerpiece to the work that you've done. And even those stories that you've really honed in terms of sharing. So when was it exactly along sort of your, your journey that you became so fascinated with greatness? You know, again, we've already mentioned my father and obviously his influence in me on my life has been extraordinary. But one one really key moment in life, I was graduating from college in Indiana, had my first job in San Antonio, Texas. So I'm getting ready to make that drive south, um, car loaded, standing in the driveway. And my father just said something. I don't know if he meant for it to be as packed with wisdom as it turned out to be. But he said, Don, because of your profession, you're going to be a, as a journalist, right? And spend, you're going to spend life in the presence of really extraordinary people, like people that most of the rest of us will never meet. You will go eye to eye with because of the, the job you've chosen. He said, you will always learn what you need to for your readers, but always do yourself a favor and always ask these great people a question that will benefit you. Like learn something, you, you're going to have this moment to pick a brain. Don't just pick it for the reader, sometimes pick it for you. And that was such a, a really powerful idea. And I had 1,200 miles to think about it, you know, in a drive. I, I settled in on the question, if you could name a habit, if you could, if you could share with me something you built into your daily regimen that allowed you to, you personally to believe that you were able to do something that others couldn't, what would the habit be? Give me a habit from your daily regimen that you believe made you better than others. And over the course of 30 years, I asked that question 2,500 times, kept the answers in separate set of notebooks. And because that was it, right? I wanted to understand greatness. And the answers became kind of the, the guts of much of what I do now. Um, which is the kind of the constant pursuit of understanding how do the best how do the best do it? What do they credit, and what can we learn from it? You know, it's really interesting to me, and I, I'm 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 very much interested in how you arrive to that specific question about habits, and and the reason why I think it's so interesting is because I've almost also observed that it's it's the daily consistent actions and it's the small things that really lead to big things and i'm i'm actually curious did you always know that that it was the small things or or was it something that you refined over time to realize that it was a habit i think what hit me was that you know my my initial thought was to ask about moments like name a moment for me when things went but moments might not be replicable right mm -hmm. habits are um, habits are something that if you, if, if your habit is, I just, I went out and the way I became the best, the best shooter in the world was I took a thousand more jump shots than everybody else. I'm not looking to be the best shooter in the world, but if I'm trying to be the best interviewer in the world, maybe I'm studying other people who are really great interviewers for a thousand hours longer than everybody else mm -hmm. to get better, right? What is it that you're doing? And when you hear it's repetition, 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 then how can I apply that became my, so habits became easier for me to digest if you would. And so that was what I, um, 
So, yes. I mean, I don't think it was, there wasn't great wisdom in it. It just became that thing that I was looking again to follow the, my dad's advice, which is what can I take from that conversation that will make me better and habits will make me better. That's so good. And one of the, one of the phrases that I'm so uh, impartial to is, is repetition is the mother of all skill. And you think about it, you talk about, it's like, well, if we can do something once, that's great. But if we can repeat that and we can refine that and we can optimize that approach, that's how we get better. That's how we improve. And if you want to be the best in the world at something, it's, it's, it's extreme repetition, I would imagine. And, you know, thinking about patterns, I would imagine you've asked this question over 2,500 times to some of the most amazing individuals the people that so many people, millions or even more, hundreds of millions of people look up to these people that, that we're really speaking about. And thinking about the patterns that you've observed over that period of time, obviously you've written books about it, right? But, you know, are there any of the top one, two or three habits that have you've seen have been just repeated over and over that are really a pattern between some of the greatest coaches, some of the greatest athletes and so forth? Yeah. In fact, the number one answer that came up, uh, you know, when, when I went back to try to calculate and, and add up and, you know, yes, they said it this way, but I think I could put them in the same category. Um, the number one answer was that the truly great ones uh, at some stage in their life, because it's not natural, it doesn't happen, right? They learn to hate losing more than they love winning, right? And they want that 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 success is what they expected to come their way. That's what they set out to do, be successful. Uh, it doesn't give them the thrill. Success doesn't give them the thrill that it gives most of the rest of us. But failure, failure leaves a mark in a way that is um, uh, this defining for them. And the way they do that, and this was the kind of again, I think it's interesting to have the concept, the habit. Then how do you how do you exercise the habit? Is they stop making excuses when things don't go their way, because if you can blame the moment, if you can blame a failure, if you can blame a loss on a surface or the referee or the ball was slick or whatever it is, right? If you can blame the loss on someone else, you never own it, and if you never own it, you'll never hate it. <clears throat> and so, if you want to learn to hate losing. Stop making excuses when it happens. And as Michael Jordan once said to me, a loss is not a failure until you make an excuse. Right. So uh, don't, you know, use that, use that loss. I love Nick Saban says, right. Don't ever waste a, don't ever waste a good loss. And, you know, you're thinking, wow, there's, there's such a thing as a good loss. Yeah. There's good <laughs> loss. If you're better as a result. Hmm. So it's really about that thinking, right? You, you've talked about fundamental principles before and really almost you break them down into four categories, right? And, and those, those categories are the great ones. They really focus on well, how do they think, how do they prepare, how do they work and how do they live, right? And Correct. so what you're talking about is almost the thinking mechanism. And it's it's so important for, for listeners to really delineate this because when we talk about success in building a business or being successful as an investor and creating bigger outcomes and creating things not only for your own family and other people around you, it is about your perspective. It is about your mindset. And that's almost what you're touching on. Am I, am I saying that correctly, Don? Ab absolutely. It is because if you... Um, you can, you can, I mean, it's the one thing you do actually have control over, right? You can't control the circumstances. You can't control the weather. You can't control uh, the virus. You can't control. There's a lot of things you can't control, right? But what you can control is the mindset you bring to the response you have to each and every one of those situations. And, and so the, uh, go ahead. The first step is is identifying that there are no excuses, that this is within our control, right? We can either right. win or we can learn. And when we fail, quote unquote, there's a learning opportunity. And so we're not making an excuse as to why we failed. We're gaining that experience, correct? Uh, exactly. And, you know, I, 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 I'm actually writing this down because I like that line. You can either win or you can fail um, uh, or you can learn, excuse me. Uh, I, I like that. And I'm going to steal it. I mean, you're, 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 you will be quoted in some future book and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll even make sure to spell Chesser right. So That'd good. be awesome. That'd be awesome. awesome. Well, thank you for that. And when we think about 
thinking, right? We think about the mindset and obviously I think I almost look at it as a two millimeter shift, right? When we, when we change our perspective on things, the things around us change. And I think that's really interesting when you think of an individual like a John Wooden, you know, the the most winningest coach of all time. You're, you're also mentioning Nick Saban. I mean, who's obviously who's got a modern day dynasty similar to John Wooden. And you think about a Michael Jordan. And it's so interesting because obviously there's talent. There's talent in terms of no question. Michael Jordan may be one of the most talented athletes, if not the most talented athlete of all time, obviously the best basketball. Not a baseball player, but that's okay. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We got to stay stay in our lane. You can't hit a curve. It's all good. No, that's right. But that's my childhood hero. So we won't say anything, anything negative about Mr. Jordan. But, you know, I think about when you talk about preparation, so that's another separator, right? So, so what, what patterns have you observed from the greatest in terms of preparation that really separates them as well? Well, just an obsessiveness about it, right? A, a, A belief that it is, you know, for most, most people, preparation is the, um, it's, it's the like, it, it, gosh, it drives them crazy. Like they don't want to do it they because I'm good enough. I can, I'm going to be good enough that I can get up and wing it and probably beat that opponent. Right. I'm, I'm that good. Uh, the great ones don't ever assume that you're not, that, that you're actually so much better than anyone that on their best day, they might catch you unprepared. So the great ones are obsessive about their preparation. They, um, they're at, I mean, again, I'm going to keep using athletic metaphors, but for, for your audience, it, they, they would be different. They're at the office an hour earlier than other people, right? They're, um, they're, they're willing to study the profiles of the people or the, the opportunities that are presented to them better, longer, more deeply ask greater questions. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're at the court an extra hour beforehand to make sure that when everybody else shows up, they're already in, in um, they're, they're fully prepared for the, what's going to come next. And I just, I, I marvel at how they do that. And, and that again, what I love about each one of these lessons and what we're talking about is that there's a direct application to us today. Like we could go work on these things today. If it's about establishing a 40 inch vertical jump, <laughs> That's not going to happen for me, right? <laughs> me so neither, I will not be I will not be Michael Jordan in that space. But there are aspects when you really get into the conversation with Jordan about what made him special, he never once talks about his leaping ability. He never once talks about, you know, his his the his use of the backboard, right? On on, on shots anywhere from 45 degrees in. I mean, he doesn't talk about physical skills in any way because obviously he was the third pick in the draft. He knew that there was always somebody out there bigger, faster, stronger. That's why he, I mean, and now that chip remains on his shoulder, even today, right? That there were two people picked ahead of him. And so, um, but that idea of what it means to be successful and, is uh, for him it's 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 part the things he can teach you you can do that's exactly right and you know success leaves clues as well my favorite that's one of my favorite lines i i use it all the time and i tell people don't just focus on people that are successful in your realm yes because the clues are generally universal a good clue can take you into any other lane if you're willing to understand the clue. Yes. If you're willing to understand the clue, also, if you're willing to do the work and one of the things that I've, I've noticed, and, and also I mentioned this before I talk about the work is it's also and why I love this conversation. Why I think it's so important is that any individual who's listening, they can utilize this concept called character trait integration, and they can observe some of the greatest people across time, whether they are in athletics, whether they're in politics, whether they're business leaders, whether they're just people that they admire, you can integrate the traits within your own life. If you spot it, you got it, right? If you spot it, now you can apply that yourself. Now, of course, it requires commitment. It requires consistency. It requires doing things that are a little bit challenging and difficult and uncomfortable. When you think about doing the work, talk to me about what separates the great from the average. 
Well, it's uh, it's a again the disciplines piece is really driver here. It's about understanding that if I'm here to do the work, right, I'm going to eliminate distractions. I'm going to eliminate the noise, and I'm here and I'm present. And and work is work requires presence, right? You don't you seldom. Um, you're, you're seldom doing work in the future, right? You're doing it right now. Right. And one of the great challenges for many of us, especially those of us who, you know, struggle to get three feet away from our iPhone um, is the ability to remain present and to, and to, and to be willing to block out everything else to do the work. It's so much easier, right? I want to, I want to, I want to check Twitter. Or I want to check Instagram between, you know, reps on the weight machine. No, just mm-hmm. stay present. It's a, it, it keeps you, it allows you to do the work and do it well. That's, I think, a, a major, a major challenge for, for most people. And that's a differentiator, right? They're not looking They're They, they have blocked out this time to work on a skill set or to work on uh, a strength or, or, or a, whatever it is. And in that window of time, that is where they will be. Don, that's so valuable. And I think about mental time travel sometimes because, you know, our mind can almost be a time machine to a large degree, right? It can take us to the future, anticipating positively and and thinking about certain circumstances or certain, you know, things that may unfold in a negotiation or, or even in an investment, or of course, in athletics, you know, what may happen on the field or on the court. So obviously there's value in anticipation, but when you're in the moment, you got to be in the moment right? You've got to be present because that's the only way that you're going to rise to the occasion of be a high performer. And of course, there are times to reflect. There are times to say, hey, take an inventory. What do we do right? What do we not? What, what can we improve on so that we can take those failures as lessons and re- not repeat them? But is there anything else that you would say about that? No, I think you've hit it. I mean, that is the, that, that to me would be the, um, that's the big takeaway from watching and spending time with these high performers is are you are you capable? And 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 that's there's a takeaway there for us. We can, it it's not easy, but if we want to work to develop this, set everything else aside, right? I'm getting ready to be on a podcast with Tyler. What's it, I mean? I need to prep and be ready. I need to have uh, this time. Is I I don't care who's calling. I don't care who's knocking at the door. I need to be ready so that I can. Um, I can be my best during this window. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to set the set the same you know fences up around you to create that that opportunity for you to be as disciplined as it should be? Yeah, and, and that's been a life changer for me is to focus at any moment. We're in that moment. Right. And so we have this beautiful tool that can also be a big enemy if we're not careful. And so how do we focus? I mean, there's this beautiful little feature on our iPhone that says do not disturb. I tell you what, I use that thing. I mean, if it was a real button, it would be worn out. And I've got to be here with you and thinking about how am I how am I showing up and how am I adding value to our relationship and our friendship and our conversation and to other people that are listening. But that's the same in any moment. So I think the mindset of, hey, what's the one thing that I'm focusing on right now that can take me where I want to go? to me seems like a component of greatness. But tell me, Don, if you were to suggest for any individual who is, you know, building a business or they're obviously they're investing in real estate and we've got to think about, well, what is that one thing? What is, what is my highest priority? I think that that's, that's almost a key for us to is to always consider what's, what's the highest priority in our business, in our life. How would you focus on allowing folks instead of saying, look, I just want to, I don't want to be just good. I want to be great. I want to be extraordinary and I want to create massive results. Where do you believe they should place their prioritized focus? So it's interesting. You know, we've talked about John Wooden a couple of times and obviously he's really present for me right now. I share with you that I'm uh, I actually am. Uh, I'm a couple hours after we're recording this. I'm jumping on an airplane to fly uh, to California to be uh, to be part of his daughter's funeral. Um, and um, uh, and I love the Wooden family. I love so much that he shared and so much that I learned from him. But one thing he talked a lot about was that if you had to make any investment, like if you had to 
Um, he said, if you want to kind of create something about you that, that will pay the greatest dividends in everything else that you try to do, he says, you know, always focus on your inner circle. Like who are you giving your time to? And by the way, your inner circle isn't the people you wish you were giving your time to. It's the people you are giving your time to, right? Mm. It's not the, it's not the wish list. It's the, let me look at my calendar and see who did I go to lunch with five times this week? Uh, who did I, who did I hang out with uh, after work or who did I, who, did, where, where did I spend my time? Because he argued, you'll never outperform your inner circle. And so his challenge to me constantly uh, for the first time he actually encouraged me to do this exercise was to be in the evaluation of and the improvement of my inner circle at all times, right? At all times, which means that, you know, your inner circle is not a static uh, organization. It should, it, it shouldn't be, it should, there, there should be opportunities. Hopefully interactions will allow you to maybe um, bring someone into that circle that that wasn't there a year ago and couldn't have been there a year ago because you wouldn't have been ready for that person to be in your circle. So his um, uh, he actually one day he and I were going through this exercise. We were talking about it, and we were at this little diner in Southern California. And he he takes a sheet of paper from my notebook and he draws two lines down the middle of it, right? And creates three columns essentially and. And he said that when I went back to my hotel that night, we were going to have coffee again the next morning. He said he wanted me to, to, in the first column, write down the names, the five people I give my my time to on a daily basis, regular basis, professionally. Who are the five people that are in that circle professionally? The middle one are five people in my personal life that I give my time to. And the third would be the five people that would be in some other social circle that, you know, whether it's church or Kiwanis or whatever it might be, right? So come some third third group. And he said that tonight, while you're at the hotel and you've really honestly evaluated those those names, he said, I want you to ask yourself, are they going where I'm going? Do they want for me what I want for me? Do they do they vision a future that I vision? And if they are not, it is your opportunity to begin striking them from that list and creating a new five. And it was this really powerful exercise for me. I mean, I'll share with you that like one of the people in my middle column, a family member um, was a, a sibling who I do. I did spend a fair amount of time with mostly on the phone, uh, but it was extraordinarily negative. Like all the mm -hmm. conversations were there was a downer nature to every one of them. And I realized that she really wasn't going where I'm going, but she's my sister. Like you can't get rid of a sister. Right. <laughs> though you, sometimes we try you. Um, so you, you, um, but what coach's advice was, look, maybe there's a little less time there for that relationship, but a little more time for someone who is heading in. I mean, like, it's not like you're excommunicating people, but you are, you're making choices because the one thing you should control is your time. Most of us don't control our time. We let it happen to us, not intentionally. And he was saying, control your time, control your inner circle by giving and investing time with people who will value you and you will value the future that they, that they share with you. And I, that became... I, I no longer on New Year's Eve, I don't do resolutions. I, I evaluate my, my inner circle. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together 
through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. It's so interesting because I, I can almost feel it sometimes when I'm spending time with people who I aspire to be more like. I can almost feel, you know, that sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable and it's like, wow, you know, I've got, a, there's a gap between me and my future self and my mind starts to go to work to say, well, how, how might I be able to do that? Or how might I be able to behave more like them? Because you see the little things become the big things. And and it's, it's almost a subconscious process. And maybe I've just become more conscious of it because of having these type of conversations conversations, but you can also feel the the opposite when you're hanging out with folks that are maybe not where you're wanting to go. And, and maybe there's something happening in our mirror neurons that says, well, let me regulate back down to, to the level of where they are. And, and so it just, it makes so much sense. Yep. You will never outperform your inner circle. I love that line. And when coach Wooden said it to me, it was like, whoa, it, you know, if I'm never going to outperform them, then I really want to make sure that the people that I'm legitimately giving my time to are people who I could argue my, if I, if my performance were, were as good as theirs, I'd be proud. I love that that was the the thought process in terms of prioritization because it's almost like swimming upstream or or going upstream because like I, I think of a, a grizzly bear. The grizzly bear isn't swimming in the ocean looking for the fish. The grizzly bear goes up to the top of the stream where the salmon is jumping out. And what you're talking about is is going upstream. Think about Coach Wooden, obviously the most legendary coach of all time. I'll just go ahead and go out on a limb and say that. Uh, there's no question in my mind. And I think about Coach Wooden, and obviously you co-wrote the book, uh, A Game Plan for Life with Coach Wooden, which is an amazing read. Anybody who's listening now, I would highly recommend that you read this book. One of the things that really struck me about uh, his process was the first thing that he did with his team, you know, not, not the first thing, but one of the very first things that he did with his team was teach the players how to put the socks on appropriately and correctly. To me, that was just so astounding. It's like, it's the most basic, basic little thing, but little things are big things. What other lessons have you learned or, or did you learn from, from your time with Coach Wooden? You know, it's funny. I, I actually was talking about one of these lessons, a John Wooden lesson with my son, who's 13 years old, a couple of days ago. I had said things to him a couple of times. I got frustrated because he, he wasn't we weren't, things weren't progressing as I wanted him to related uh, to, to something I was asking him to do. And it, and it hit me. I was like, you know, son, I'm, I, I realize I'm violating one of the most important things I learned from John Wooden. And, and, and my son knows how much I value John Wooden. There's a letter from coach Wooden to my son that hangs above his bed every, you know, that he, he sees it's just, it's really. And I said, you know, coach Wooden used to say all the time, I haven't taught until you have learned, right? Mm. Too many times we think I've taught because I've spoken, right? I've taught because I've told you. No, I wow. haven't taught until you have learned. So son, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to try to make sure that you're learning. So let's, 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 instead of me telling you, we're going to talk, we're going to talk differently about this. And, um, those are the kinds of things that you learn from people who are just out there, extraordinary, better. Uh, you know, John Wood just reminded me in my own little relationship with my 13 year old that I'm not teaching if all I'm doing is talking. I'm teaching only when they learn. So, how do I make sure he learns? And it's going to be different for my son than my daughter. It's going to be different between my son, my daughter, and my employees, right? I have to learn how to teach better in order to, to lead them as they deserve to be led. That quote in that thought process gave me chills. I haven't taught until you have learned. It really resonates with me. And it really is something that the listeners can consider 
while being a better leader, it comes down to ultimately, how are you leading someone else? Not what have you said to them? I think about, you know, being an asset manager for, for certain properties and you have a team that's overseeing the day-to-day operations. You know, if you have a certain strategy that you're looking to fulfill and that's not being fulfilled, well, then you haven't taught until the the team has learned. And I just, I, I think that's so important. And it's such a distinction that we should all re-listen to and really re- reconsider. I think about that lesson and how that can resonate in so many different directions within our team, within our family, leading children and, and so forth. But there's so many different applications. What about Michael Jordan? I mean, obviously you spent some time with Michael Jordan. I mean, what else can we really say? Uh, I mean, obviously, be like Mike, right? Jordan, Air Jordan, his his airness. I mean, what are what's what's one or two lessons that you learned from spending some time with him? You know, one of the things that's so fascinating about time with Jordan is that again, I think often we like to think we look at his supernatural physical skill, right? We we see that, but what you what you miss is, um, and again, I, I think the I, for many people. Um, uh, the last dance came out at the perfect time, right? COVID yes. was where it was. And, you know, it gave us a Sunday night, something to do. Uh, and um, uh, that program, the beauty of that program, and, and, and for anyone that's had any relationship there with him or with others within that program, that, that team is an understanding of how Michael Jordan wasn't trying to be popular. He wasn't trying to be best friends. He wasn't trying to be, and that's a real, that's a real mistake for most leaders, right? They're trying to be most liked instead of most admired. And those are two different things, right? Michael Jordan was most admired because there wasn't anything anyone else was asked to do that he didn't try to do first or that he wasn't willing to do first. And it was so uh, important for that to, to come through. And I think that, that that's one of those things that I think a lot of people missed in him. He was this icon. He was this, but you know what? He didn't, becoming an icon was not his goal, nor, nor was it his end point, right? It happened because he did all those other things, because he put his socks on right. Hmm. It happened because... He he physically took care of himself, you know the the grueling nature, and he had to learn that right. He had to, he had to get hurt. He had to have uh, failures, and then figure out what do I have to do to do to have fewer of those. Um, but it's also a, a you know a willingness. I mean, the, I mean the one place he teared up right in the in the in in that was when he was asked whether he kind of regretted that many of them at the time didn't like him for the way he was pushing them. Um, and, and then he kind of said, no, I actually, I'm okay with it because had I not, we wouldn't have, right. We wouldn't have achieved what we did. And today we get to celebrate what we achieved. Um, and, and so I didn't set out to be popular. And I, I really think that's a that's a fail for so many people where all we want to do is figure out how do we say the thing that's least offensive or how do we, you know what? And sometimes people just need truth and how it's delivered is, um, is important. Yes. But it, but most important is that it's delivered. There's so many of these paradoxes that we find in in nature and the human life. We're almost designed to um, to conform in some ways. We're designed to to kind of follow the herd because being a part of a tribe, you know, for many years as human beings kept us safe. But it's a right. paradox because now if we fall into that trap of comfort and safety, we can never be great. And if we want to be great, we have to risk not being liked. And almost I think about it's like respect over like and leading as a servant uh, being a servant leader and showing that you are setting the example by doing the tough things and doing the hard things and saying look i don't care if you like it or not but if you want to be great 
you got to join me on this journey. And that, that almost seems like the experience that you observed spending time Completely. with Jordan. And you know what? I love that you use the word servant leader because I, I mean, I love that phrase, excuse me, servant leader. It's, it's to me, it, it, but, but by the way, people think servant leader, it, it sounds, um, you know, it, it almost sounds weak if you would. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all, it sounds as if I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm somehow uh, finding a second role for myself. In, in, the truth is being a servant leader is, is sometimes the most, it, it's so much harder than people give it because it requires things that are uncomfortable, right? To be in service of others doesn't always mean you're, you're, you're literally serving them coffee in the morning. You are, but what you are trying to do as a servant leader is set a pathway and, and for them and then help, help walk hand in hand with them along that pathway. And it's not, and sometimes it's a, they're, you know, it's a, it's a pretty rough road. So I, I, I love that you use that, but I, because Michael Jordan would tell you he was a servant leader and he would be right. Mm. Here's a person who was gruff and difficult and, you know, broke Steve Kerr's nose. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's all these, there's all these things that you would look at, but he was because he wasn't telling you to go do something, as I said before, that he wasn't willing to do first and, and, and for himself, he was, um, and he was trying to take somebody, he was trying to elevate others right? in a way that, that made it work. And the way he did so was by, it just, it just was a slightly different path than other people, right? There are a lot of different leadership styles. His servant leadership style required, it wasn't always comfortable for the other people. And being a good servant leader doesn't mean you're, you're just creating a posh circumstance for the others who are in your, in your care. I mean, he's the prime example of tough love. You know, he gave so much tough love to these other individuals as his teammates. Uh, he was like, look, I don't care if you like me or not, but you will love me at some point based on what I'm doing and the challenge that I'm putting you through. Don, a part of your greatness is storytelling. And we talked a little bit about it early in this conversation, but I'd be curious, what advice would you give your younger self on the art of storytelling now that you've, you know, you've, you've, you've perfected it in many ways, and I'm sure you're continuing to grow that and improve and iterate. What advice would you give your younger self? Well, I, it, it was a few years before I mean, I, I, my father kept telling me, I mentioned earlier about the important storytelling, but I always just thought he was just being a preacher. Right. Um, uh, and, and it wasn't until I watched him till I, I be, I, we actually had a particular circumstance that I remember at a Thanksgiving meal where there were a large group of people gathered and he started telling a story. And instead of watching him tell the story, which I'd always done, I watched everybody else watching him tell the story. Mm. And that's when it hit me, right? That's when it hit me that, it, you know, most of the time I was just drawn in because that was him telling a story and he was very good at it. Then I started realizing the impact that good storytelling can have on the collective, like how you could bring an entire group together around a series of, of themes and, uh, and when delivered well, um, uh, concepts that, that, that they may uh, not otherwise have, have seen exactly that way, but they see them now through, the, through a story. You remember stories. Um, you don't remember statistics. You don't remember, you know, uh, so you, sometimes you don't even remember concepts, but you remember the story that got you there and that's what you're looking for. So probably what I would tell myself is it took me years to believe that storytelling was so valuable that I should make it a study. But to your point, success leaves clues. When I realized how important it was going to be, I started building a list, which I do a lot. I I build a lot of lists of things I want to learn. Um, And uh, I don't have to do lists. I have to learn lists. Mm -hmm. And my to learn list in this particular case was, who did, who did I see as a great storyteller? And, and then I started listening to the stories they were telling and the way they were doing it, looking for clues. How do they do it? 
How do they make 30 minutes feel like five? How do they make you look up at the end of an hour and go, did that just happen? <laughs> and, and when you begin to do that, when you begin to look for the clues, again, I think clues are universal clues. You know, um, there, there are a number of them. And I, I think there are several things that the best storytellers do. And I didn't study them early enough in my life. I wished I had. What are those elements of great storytelling that you have observed from studying those clues? So kind of the two of the biggest and most important, right? And this really applies into your, uh, into your audience is that most storytellers don't really deeply know who they're telling their story to. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and in, and in my opinion, in this day and age, that's inexcusable, right? Where there's just too many opportunities to do research, to understand, to learn, to know a little bit more about um, the people or, and it's, and if it's one or 1000, it doesn't matter. Like who are you talking to and why do they need to listen to you? Right. Most of us think we're telling a story um, and it doesn't matter why they need, uh, I'm telling a story. So you should listen. No, I'm always, uh, I'm a big believer in understanding the why, why do they need to listen to me? What, and that's, that's a sign of empathy. If I grow to, to do that. And then I study the people that I hope will be that I'll be standing in front of. And in that process of studying them, you know, I'm a big, I'm also a big believer. Um, you know, people will pay far more attention to you if they realize you've taken a little bit of time to pay attention to them. Mm. So, um, you know, if I can name for someone, uh, you know, some detail about them that I've discovered before we've had a chance to meet without question, they immediately go, dang, you, you, you took time. I mean, I, I don't know how busy you are, but you took time before we even began this conversation to learn a, a detail or two really, really powerful. So it's knowing who you're speaking to, you knowing your audience. And the other one is actually having a call to action out of every, I think any important story should lead the listener to want to do, think, or feel something, any good story call to action sounds very formal, right? It sounds like something that we have as, as sales training. And so I, I, I um, struggle sometimes to use the phrase, but at the end of the day, there is without question, every good story should, there should be a purpose to it. Right. And um, it's funny. I was, I was teaching some of this at a, at a speaker's convention a couple of years ago. And there was a former NFL player who was there and he came up afterward. He goes, Oh my gosh, my stories are supposed to have a point. <laughs> and you, and you realize that too many people just tell stories because they think they're interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, a really well told story, a story that will make you remember it forever will be one that either gets, that gets you to do think or feel something and are, and, and, you as the storyteller need to know in advance what you want that to be in business. We would call it a call to action in storytelling. I, I use the same phrase, but it's, it's that idea that who are you talking to and what do you want them to do when they're done listening to you? It changes the way you craft the story. It, it might, you know, the story may be there. There's certain elements you're not going to change because they're the facts of the story but it might change the way you craft what you're asking them to hear. So I think those are kind of, when I look at really great storytellers, everything is intentional. And I use that word all the time, intentional, because I believe it is, um, it's my, you know, it's one of my favorite words. It is, you know, people, um, uh, you know, I, people know that I'm, I'm a big believer in doing what we do for intention. Um, and, uh, uh, but good storytelling has those elements. Don, that was very valuable for me in particular. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wanting to be a better storyteller myself. And I just think, uh, what you just shared there is gold. I mean, the listener has got to go back and, and re-listen to that and understand those concepts. And, you know, if you really want to see a masterclass in action, you've got to check out Don speaking because his storytelling, I mean, it's, it's from the heart, it's real. 
and it is intentional. There's a purpose behind it. And, and I just, I can feel that deeply from, you just come from a place of giving and, and truth and, and um, you have a purpose behind that as well. So thank you for that masterclass, Don. What a fun time together. I, I so appreciate you and I can't wait for part two of our discussion. But until we get there, before we wrap today, I want to transition into our rapid fire section of the podcast. We call it the rare air questionnaire. Look, what we're talking about today is about greatness. We're not talking about good. We're not talking about average. We're not talking about slightly above average. We're talking about great. We're talking about legendary. And so if we want to be legends, we got to focus on, well, what are the little things? Because they can be big things. And a lot of what we've talked about today can become big things for you if you are very, very thoughtful about it. So Don, I have a few questions for you as being a prolific New York Times bestselling author in so many different capacities. I would imagine you're a big reader as well. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? And of course, they could be maybe those that you've written as well. So feel free to share those. Well, I mean, so I, I, if it's okay, I would like to share one that I wrote myself because it, because it was such a game changer for me. I had an opportunity. You mentioned Walter Payton earlier, right? Walter Payton, greatest running back in the history of the game, in my opinion, in the history of football, also one of the most extraordinary men in, um, to have walked our planet. And Walter allowed me, he invited me to spend the last 10 weeks of his life with him uh, as he was dying to write the autobiography of my hero. Right. You know, I was being asked to write my hero's story and given this access that was unusual and, and in an un, uncommon time. And um, uh, and so for, for me, you know, that opportunity to work with Walter and write the book called Never Die Easy uh, was extraordinary and important uh, to me. Um, uh, another one that I would I would offer to you is from my um, one of my mentors, a guy named John Maxwell, um, who wrote a book called, you know, uh, Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. And um, I'm a big believer in the power of asking good questions. And, and again, nothing about it is accidental. I don't ask questions that I haven't thought through. What do I hope to learn and gain from it? Not that I know the answer. I'm not trying to play the lawyer thing. You know, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. I want to learn the answer, but I want to make sure that my question is very precisely done. So I've got in everything I do, whether it's a, I'm always trying to craft out the best possible question that leads me uh, to something I'll learn from. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, uh, there's, several, I'm going to group several of these. One of my favorite people to study is Winston Churchill. I mean, just mm. his, you know, both his management of the the most difficult time uh, any leader could ever, could ever uh, uh, think through. And then the idea that, that, that nothing was expected of him um, and he rose to become among the greatest. So I, I would throw a handful of Churchill books together, probably for that third space. Beautiful. And we will put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find those books, as well as all of Don's books. Don, you've written 32 now. Is that correct? And a, is, is that correct? It's amazing. Yeah, and and what is it? 11 New York Times bestsellers? I know. That's hard to believe. I mean, like I, if you'd have told me as, you know, as a young writer, I would write one New York Times bestseller. And, mo you know, it's funny because in the day of Amazon, everybody you read out there on their website, they call themselves a best-selling author. Right. Because in Amazon, you can be a best-selling author, like, you know, for an hour and claim it forever. Um, the New York Times is a pretty tough list to make and to do it with 11 different books. I mean, more than 110 weeks um, of time spent on that list, which has really been incredible. That is remarkable. And success leaves clues again. So this conversation, I just wanted to put that seal of approval of how much success we're talking about here. And so let's follow these clues so that we can integrate them within our own life and business. Don, this is phenomenal. I'd have to ask you just a few more questions and we'll wrap today. What's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm constant. I'm a, I'm a, for me, my life is elevated by, I have, I have, you know, I have notes. I mean, even here, you're interviewing me and I've taken notes of, of things that I'm learning from you during my interview, right? Which probably, so I'm constantly um, absorbing conversation 
and trying to figure out what am I going to take that will make me better from this, right? This is, this was you calling you, you arranging for me, hopefully to be educational to other people, but I'm also trying to make sure I'm learning from it as well. I love that humility. Thank you for that. And then just in leading by example, that's servant leadership in itself. Um, Don, what's the biggest way that you elevate other people around you? I try to uh, be empathetic. I think that that's the thing that um, I didn't do well enough as a younger leader that I think I've got. I'm always trying to put myself in others' shoes as I'm asking them to do things and imagine, you know, what is their, what is the challenge they're going to most have? And, and in order to do that, you have to know people in order to really understand the challenge that they're going to have that uh, executing on something I'm asking them to do. And then in that process, how can I help them overcome the challenge? If I can articulate that as opposed to just giving an order or laying out a request, um, the odds of success are exponentially greater. Man, and it, it comes down to if I haven't taught you, you haven't learned. <laughs> right. And it, I would imagine that probably is delivered through story. And thank you for the lessons that you've shared with us today. Um, thank you for your commitment to, to greatness and sharing those stories as well, because I think it's important. We all have, you know, things within us to be great. And it's a calling. It's a calling. If you're listening to this episode right now, you can be great. And it, it comes down to these patterns and observing the success and integrating those clues into your own life, into your own business. Don, is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? You know, Tyler, uh, thank you for that. Because one of the things that made me want to participate and be part of your um, uh, this, this uh, event today is that like you, I have believed that there are things we can learn from other people. And I've, I've begun kind of an interview series of my own, right? A podcast called Corporate Competitor. Um, I just most recently had the CEO of Delta Airlines, uh, Ed Bastian, on uh, amazing story about, you know, things he can teach about a guy that like, imagine your business one month being the most profitable in the world in your industry. And the next month later, 95% of your, of your customers are gone right? And that's what COVID did. How do you manage out of that moment? Really incredible conversation. CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek, um, you know, unbelievable discussion about his preparation process. And, and you know, we, the senior vice president of Amazon, Carla Vernon, who talked about, you know, what her warm-up routine is, like how she, you know, athletes have a good warm-up routine. Well, she does too for everything that she's, you know, she doesn't walk into anything blind. Just the things you get to learn every week when you're doing things like that, um, just like yours, your podcast. It's a, I, yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm cheating on all the people that are listening because I'm in it for me, you know, very selfishly. <laughs> but I just happen to hope that it. it um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to mention that because I'd love it if uh, those who are uh, wired as your nation is. Uh, might uh, might find interest in some of what we're doing as well. Absolutely. And and you've got to listen, you got to check, check out the Corporate Competitor podcast with Don Yeager because it's phenomenal. And we will put a link in the show notes as to where the listeners can find that podcast. Um, of course, you can find it very easily on any anywhere podcasts are found, but we'll put a link in the show notes because Don, you're also offering a free ebook to when folks subscribe through your website. And there's, of course, we'll put that link in the show notes, but where else can the listeners find you, Don? Well, um, it's, you know, the best thing is just kind of donyeager.com, right? And because I know uh, my name is actually Y-A-E-G-E-R uh, and most people spell it the other way, Y-E-A, but I own all potential spellings of donyeager.com. So uh, you you butcher it any way you want and, and hopefully you'll still end up uh, at our uh, at our site, but it's, it's fun. And I, I love this portion of life for me when I'm now taking what I've learned and actually trying to learn, trying to offer it up as a, a teaching opportunities and moments is making me better every day. And of course, also on Instagram and Twitter at Don Yeager. Um, I need to now start doing that. Spell it right. That's there right. You have to spell it right. I don't, I don't know in all of those. I have to figure that out. Well, and if you don't want to learn how to spell the name, we'll just put a link there in the show notes as to where the listeners can find you across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, of course, the website, donyeager.com. Don, this has been truly great. And I'm so thankful for our time together. Don, thank you so much for being on the show. Tyler, my pleasure.
Elevate Nation. Wow. Don Yeager. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can see more clearly now. I can see how I can integrate greatness within my own real estate practice, within my own life, within my own family, and within my own inner circle and so forth. I'm taking an inventory of of things so I can take that next step. And I, I hope that you are as well. I hope that you learned half as much as I did in that conversation that was um, very, very insightful from the great Don Yeager, one of the greatest authors, um, greatest storytellers, speakers of our time. I, I Again, I highly recommend you go check him out on YouTube. Of course, check out his website, donyeager.com. Um, but this is just someone that we can learn so much from, not only from his demeanor, his humility, his empathy, but of his study and his his passion for greatness. And I truly think that it's important for us to consider how are we stepping into the next level of greatness ourselves? How are we elevating to the next level? Because I believe that that is the key. If we want to not only survive, but thrive and optimize our life and our real estate business and our portfolio and our investing and our cash flow and all these things, it comes down to how are we stepping into that? How are we thinking? How are we preparing? How are we working and how are we living? How are we integrating and collecting all of these moments of presence of focus towards a greater future, but also being grateful along the way. There's just so much value here. And I hope that you enjoy that have as much as I did. I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show and identify what are your top one, two, or three takeaways that you can apply to your life immediately. What is it that you want to apply? What is it that you want to change or transform or elevate in your own life, in your own real estate business? Based on what we talked about today, repetition is the mother of all skill. Re-listen to this show. You'll learn twice as much. Share this with a friend. Share this with someone else that you care about, someone that you want to put in your inner circle and have a discussion with them about what we talked about today, because that's what great people do is they go the extra mile. And when you go the extra mile, you can really go so much farther, I believe, if you take that effort and you allow the wave of greatness to pull you to a greater future. I want to encourage you to take massive action on what you learned today, Elevate Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly, truly appreciate it. Until next time, Elevate Nation, we will see you then. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.